Welcome into another edition of the Designated for Assignment Podcast. Josh Goldberg here with you. Lots to talk about this week. And uh, instead of just hearing me uh, rambling on for 45 minutes, uh, I've been joined by uh, a friend and uh, somebody listeners of this podcast will know very well. Uh, Caitlin McGrath, who covers the Blue Jays for The Athletic, is with me. And uh, was on the road trip, not in Anaheim, was in... Uh, Kansas City and St. Louis. So before we get into, you know, the games, obviously, what was it like, again, back in a ballpark, starting the season on the road, you know, different team, you know, just a whole different vibe around this club, you know, just how was the first week or so of the 2023 season for you? Yeah, it was good. Um, it was a, a long stretch of time that I was around the team because I went back down to Florida for the last week or so of spring training and then I immediately went to St. Louis and then obviously Kansas City so it ended up being like more than two weeks um, with them on the road which is a long time and it's a long time when you're also like jumping from city to city to city so I was by the end of the trip um, it would have been nice to go to California of course but by the end of the trip I was pretty glad to be coming home Um, but yeah I would say and I had this conversation with a few players and coaches on the Blue Jays staff that outside of um, opening at home, which teams always want to do, I think like St. Louis is probably one of the cooler places to open the season just because baseball is, and I sort of knew this, but didn't really fully appreciate it, I guess. Baseball is so central to that city. I mean, they've got the blues downtown there as well, but like baseball really is like the core sport in St. Louis. And like, you walked around on opening day and it was like people in my hotel were wearing like Cardinals t-shirts and I, you know, walked to a grocery store the day before opening day. And it's like, there's Cardinals merchandise for sale in a grocery store. Um, admittedly it was like downtown near the stadium, but still like, um, and walking to the stadium in the morning of opening day, I mean, the game's a little bit earlier. So you're going earlier in the day, but I remember like being kind of shocked that like, there's sort of, um, an area around this Bush stadium where it's kind of like streets are sort of all lined to be like ballpark restaurants and bars. And there's like a lot of statues and it's just a whole area that's like built around the stadium. And it was like full, like it was full of people that had clearly been there a while. And I was walking to the ballpark at like 10 AM or something. Um, the, you know, the Budweiser was flowing. Um, it was a good time. And it was just a very cool like opening day because they have like the Clydesdale horse. Yeah, what's the story with that shit, to be honest? I, I have no idea I saw that for the first time. Like I maybe I'd seen it and I forgot about it. So like what is going on with that? So it's I didn't I guess it's like guys that are sort of more familiar with like Cardinals baseball. I remember like we did a pre opening day like uh interview with Matt Chapman, like the the beat reporters, and he mentioned like I'm excited for the Clydesdales. Um and I was like, What is that? Um and I, I mean, I guess they're associated with um, Anheuser-Busch and, and Budweiser, right? Like, so they're, they're, they're horses. Like, I guess they're like the mascot of the brand. I don't know how else to put it. But so I think it's a tradition that they come out and walk around the stadium on opening day. Everybody seemed to be very aware of it happening. And there's like a little like song and you like clap along to it. 
it's um i mean we have okay blue jays it's weird too so yeah we that's can't, true we, we can't that is really true. criticize um but yeah like that was um that was exciting i'm not a big horse person honestly um but i didn't get very close to them so it was fine i was safely in the press box when they were walking around the stadium so it wasn't anywhere near them but uh it was cool to see them um cool to see people excited and yeah it's just like a very um like big baseball city I think um and so I mean I've actually that was actually the first time that I've done opening day on the road um I don't even remember 2018 like I'd have to look back at the schedule um but I do remember like opening the season I think in 2019 at home um and last then COVID yeah then COVID so like there was a couple years like I remember 2020 it actually the Jays were supposed to open in New York against the Yankees because I remember like booking that trip and then obviously it didn't happen and then the year after it was like we weren't traveling with them yet because it was still COVID and they were in Buffalo and Dunedin or whatever and then last year they opened at home I believe they were actually supposed to open on the road in Baltimore but then with the lockout that series got moved to the end of the season and they actually ended up opening at home against Texas. But I think initially they were supposed to be on the road. So it just ended up being like pretty much my first time opening the season on the road. And I mean, look, there could have been like warmer spots to open, but in terms of just like, if you want to be in a spot where like opening day is actually like a big deal, I'd argue, like, and don't kill me, Blue Jays fans, but I'd argue, like, on, almost opening day is a bigger deal there than it is here. Because I think opening day in Toronto, like, you're still kind of in the middle of, like, Leafs pushing yeah. for the playoffs. And, like, there's basketball going on usually. And so uh, the roof is closed. It's just, like, it's not, it doesn't have that, like, true, like, baseball is back um, in Toronto, even though it is. Um, and so I don't know, just for a, a different experience and like knowing what it's like to open the season in Toronto. Um, I actually really enjoyed the experience of being in St. Louis and like seeing what it's like there and like seeing how uh, much of a focal point opening day was there. It's not like anything I've really experienced before. It's going to be a tough sell that the dome is closed when it's like 23 degrees on yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday, but like, it's just not going to be open. I, I can't remember the last time it was open in April, in all honesty. Like it just no, and I even. Think, I think they hesitate to even open it in April because yeah. I think they like to do a lot of testing before they yes. open it and stuff. And so I don't even think they'd be ready to open it. Yeah. So anyone who's hoping that that might be the case, uh, that's not happening. So sort of uh, burst your bubble. Okay. So um, about the team, before we get into the specifics, like we all knew that it was going to be different this year. It was going to look different. It was going to feel different. A lot of, you know, players who brought a lot both on and off the field, a certain flair are gone and new players are in that do things in a much different manner on and off the field. And it was more jarring, honestly, than I thought it was going to be right away. Like you never know how stuff like that is going to go, but we saw it right away in St. Louis, you know, mm-hmm. aggressive on the base pass, um, you know, a lot of deep counts, a lot of patience at the plate, uh, defensively, very solid. You know, there were mishaps. You know, we saw Varsho lose a ball in the sun against Anaheim that that led to, you know, unfortunately for Kikuchi, uh, that didn't really help him. But uh, by and large, fundamentals were strong like uh, much stronger than they've been in the past and i guess i'm like wondering like are you a bit surprised that it 
right away was so jarringly noticeable how much different this team is going to play, or it was a pretty clear that, you know, as soon as spring training started, that this was going to be the identity of the team and it wasn't going to be anything resembling what we've seen in the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, so you, you know, we spent, or I spent like most of spring training kind of focusing in on that kind of broad storyline, that like broad theme of, camp and then the season ahead and ended up you know writing about it quite a bit and it was kind of funny because sometimes you know baseball games can go so many different ways and it would have been so believable to see you know the Blue Jays play like a game where they won 10 to 1 or they won 2 nothing, or they lost 2-1 like there's so many different ways that that could have gone but the fact that like they ended up winning this game where it was like 10-9 such a back and forth game such a game that like actually did kind of hinge on these like very little moments, like whether it was like Varsho hitting the right cutoff man or like Kevin Kiermaier, like being very like heads up base running play where he goes first to third. And then you get like a Springer blue pit where he just like, um, you know, gets it in the right spot. And then, and then, um, you know, Kiermaier eventually ends up scoring. It was like, sometimes you're like, as a writer, you're sitting there and you're like, what am I going to write? And then sometimes the stories kind of write themselves. We're like, okay, everything that they were talking about, like, this is what they're talking about. Like, it's doing this, it's doing this, it's doing this. Um, I can't, I mean, I have to go back and read that story, but like there was defensive plays. I think that was the game that I think Springer made like a diving play in right field too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was like all these things that you could pull that were like, okay, like this is what they were kind of talking about. And like, you know, as you say, like there has been like, mishaps like there they we've seen the aggressive base running when bus base running and then we've also seen guys get you know thrown out and like sometimes that's just like the give and take of being aggressive on the base pass mm-hmm. it's not gonna work every single time but yeah and then we've seen really like the best that Varsho can give you with like some of the f- accurate throws just the sort of like general defensive like awareness of his I find to be like um it just very impressive. It just, you know, especially so that he's like, didn't even come up as like an outfielder. Um, he came up as a catcher. So just like the athleticism, but yeah, the base running, Kevin Kiermaier stood out so much. I yeah. think so much more than maybe anyone anticipated. Um, we're all so familiar with his game and so familiar with him um, that it didn't feel like we had to get to know him the same way that like um, Varsho or, or even Brandon Belt, but like, Kiermaier standing out so much, I think has taken a lot of people from surprise. Not that like we kind of knew it's like, we knew he could do it, but you didn't kind of know what it was like when he was doing it for your team. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like I'm surprised at how good he's been offensively so far. Like, you know, the, the ball back up the middle in Kansas city where he hustled and got the double. I think his sprint speed right now is like in the 92nd percentile, which is honestly considering how he's not young anymore. And I say this as somebody, I think we're the same age. I think he's about to turn 34. uh, And so am I. So to say that he's old, like in this grand scheme of things as a professional athlete turning 34, you're no longer young coming off of a major injury, serious, serious injury that required hip surgery. It's not a fair assumption to just think that, oh, well, he has, you know, some titanium screws or whatever in his hip now that he's all of a sudden going to resemble the player that he was in terms of what he can do athletically. 
But so far, like he's running as fast as he as he ever has. Um, defensively, his first read is so good. Like he's just never late. He never takes the wrong route to a ball. He's always right on top of everything. And then, like we saw it in Anaheim uh, on Sunday, you know, he came up clutch a bunch of times. Like he is the type of player that the numbers probably aren't going to be amazing he's never really been that great of an offensive player but i think he can be about average and if he's average and is healthy he has the potential to have a just a monster year because of what he can do um defensively so like you don't want to count your chickens too prematurely here because you know his injury history is what it is but i am surprised at how spry he looks considering number one his age and number two how serious that injury was uh, last year yeah, and like I, I can't remember if he said this to a bunch of us or like he said it to maybe a TV reporter and they've just repeated it and I've heard it. But anyway, like the gist around Kevin Kiermeyer and he's kind of alluded to it, I guess, a lot a lot of times is that like he kind of knows his place on this team in a good way and that he's like hit me ninth all year and I will get on base and then you got you guys do all the work and drive mm-hmm. me in like that. And so I do wonder if like. Uh, I mean, he was on so many different like versions of the Rays and the Rays were like such a, you know, a different team that maybe there were years in which he was carrying more of the load offensively than maybe he should have been on a Rays team. And in Toronto, like there's really no pressure on him, like offensively, at least like he was kind of brought in to be a center fielder and and earn that job and and be that guy and and basically improve the outfield defense based just by being himself. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, offensively like there was not really like a ton of pressure on him and um and I think he almost took pressure off himself by saying like I want to be good offensively but like I'm not gonna be trying to hit home runs this year like I don't need to do that on this team like I'll just get on base and you guys can drive me in and it feels like again like I'm I mean he's hitting like 400 or 300 or something right now so it's gonna come down but I mean I do think there's maybe there is something to that where you join a new team, you're kind of energized by a new team. You've got a new sort of role on a new team. You've got all these different players around you and sort of more power hitters than he's really ever been around with the Rays. I mean, the last couple of years they've hit a lot of home runs, but like still it's, it was a very different identity team and Toronto's so different. So I do feel like there is, there could be like a rejuvenation for him and it wouldn't surprise me totally if he did have a really good year because it's a new situation um, and he's got all these new guys around him where maybe he hasn't had that before in his career. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm pleasant, like very, very pleasantly surprised um, so far. Like he's one of the positives, like there's plenty more we'll get to like they went six and four. So it's hard to, really nitpick too much you 10 game road trip to start the season you win 60 percent of those games yeah really tough like midwest to west is really difficult and you know like they they showed some perseverance you know six nothing to come back from a deficit like that that shows some some grit that maybe at times might have been lacking but like before we get to you know vladdy chapman Bo, guys who are performing i think a lot of people who are listening are going to wonder like what the story is with Jose Barrios and um, you know, like he's in, I guess year two of that seven year deal, um, whatever it was 131 million. And like at the time I'll say it, I didn't think it was a bad deal. I thought the trade to get him was good. Let's not forget. He was really good down the stretch in 2021. So everyone who's saying, well, he just, 
he can't do it in the American League East. Like he did in a sample size of not that many starts, but he was really, really good after the trade in 2021. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Like I'm honestly at a loss at this point. Like, is it mechanical? Is his stuff just not good anymore? Like his velocity is not down, but I like, I just come back to this repeatedly until his four seamer and his sinker are not like they're liabilities. Like he basically should never throw them right now. He's not going to be able to have any success. Like I've seen some, well, just start flipping breaking balls all the time. Major league hitters are not going to, you know, be confused after a while. Like they watch enough tape. They're going to figure you out. If you're just throwing, you know, off speed pitches, you just, your fastball. I've always said this sets up the rest of your stuff, like allows your breaking ball to be a lot better. You play it off of your fastball and you have that level of success and he just doesn't have it right now. And I don't really know what they do. Like, are we reaching a point quickly here? Like, is there a scenario if this continues that he's not in the rotation in six weeks? Yeah. I mean, six weeks, maybe I'd give it a bit more time, but like if we're getting to like the all-star break, and things are not good, and you have, like, a rookie Tiedemann tearing it up in AAA, like, it might be a no-brainer at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to give it a try, too. It, you know, it depends where they are. It depends how Kikuchi's going, I think. Like, he's kind of part of the uh, Brios equation, whether yep. that's fair or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with Brios, like, it doesn't – I don't get the sense that it is, like, a mechanical overhaul because, I mean, like, he's he's a major league – pitcher like it doesn't like he doesn't look like a total like mechanical mess up there right like there are flashes still like he was really good in the first inning against anaheim yeah and it just feels like it's execution and Mm -hmm. um it's interesting because uh you know last year the thing with kikuchi was like just uh i mean among like many issues that he had obviously like not throwing uh or not commanding the zone and you know not getting hit hard and all this stuff. But I mean, it was also very clear that he just looked uncomfortable on the mound a lot of times. And part of that was because things weren't going well. And then it sort of spiraled. Now I have noticed, and a lot of people have noticed a new demeanor with Kikuchi where he does look more comfortable. And I thought even yesterday when he had some of that bad luck, um, you know, the, the sun ball and then giving up the home run. I mean, I thought he came back and did, did okay. Like, you know, if you take, if you take that sort of mistake and it always feels like when that sort of thing happens, then a home run's going to come. Like it just, yeah. you know, <laughs> when something like that happens, it's always the other team capitalizes. Um, but, you know, I, I thought it could spiral more on him. If you took that away, then maybe you were looking at like five innings, three earned runs or, you know, which maybe, is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. It's like mm-hmm. or maybe six innings, depending on, where his pitch count was, it was pretty high. I don't know how many extra pitches he threw in that first inning and, you know, to do the math on that and stuff. But like, yeah, again, like may, like if you take away those three earned runs, maybe it's a better looking line. Like maybe it's a line where they like, we could live with that. If he gives us 80 pitches, three earned runs, that's fine. Um, and so, you know, I think that I'm sort of less worried about him. Yeah. Um, obviously you want to see a more of him like you're not ready to say okay everything's fine with Kikuchi but I sort of think there was a lot a nice a few positives um in the outing that even didn't go well with Brios like you do get the sense that like the confidence isn't there and yeah I mean he spoke to us in spring and he sounded like he was kind of aware that 
the confidence had dipped a little bit last year. I can't remember verbatim what he said, but you know, it was something like when you're on the mound as a pitcher, you got to be thinking you can beat the guy. And I think a little bit of times last year, he kind of insinuated that like he was forgetting that, or like he was giving the hitters too much credit. Like you're the pitcher. You got to like, you have the advantage. I'm Jose Barrios. Like I've done it before. I'm going to get this guy out. And I think a little bit of times last year, that went away from him. He wasn't like feeling that. And I thought he came into spring really sort of recognizing that, but I mean, it's, it's tough. Like it's so hard, like to imagine that you're trying to do your job up there and it's not going well. And you're like not doing your job well, so publicly. And it's not just like publicly, but it's like these athletes, like they're, they have so much, they're getting paid a lot of money. There's so much fan expectation. There's so much pressure. You want a Blue Jays team that really wants to win this year. Like there's so much. And so like, I can, I can't relate to it. Cause I don't know what that feels like that amount of pressure, but like, I do empathize with him. Um, and it's, it's hard. So it's like, yeah, like if you look at the numbers, it's like the fastball's getting hit, like, you know, 400 again, like, you know, batters are hitting 400 against it. Yeah. And then you look at the slurve, um, which is like his best pitch by far. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, like you can't just live off that pitch and the rest of his pitches are getting hit hard. Like he, he's got a change up that he doesn't use a ton, but it's getting hit. Um, the sinker's getting hit. I think the sinker's better than the four seamer, but they're both yeah. getting hit. Yeah. And it's like, it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's like, it's, it kind of makes me like appreciate like Ryu to some extent, because like, I don't even know that I like contemplated execution of spots. Um, or I appreciated it as much as I should have at the time, like how good Ryu could be throwing like 90, but like really just hitting his spots and mixing his pitches so well. And like, maybe that's what we'll see from Chris Bassett this year. Um, that sort of, and, but like with Brios, like it's, it's, um, you know, I don't know what it is with his fastball. Is it, if, is it, is there something in the numbers or is there something in the way that he throws it that makes it particular? Cause he's, he throws pretty decently hard. Like, it's not like he's throwing 90, like, he is throwing like 93, 94, 95, but there's something with his fastball where it's like, if he misses a spot, guys just hit it hard. Yeah. And he, he, and to some, like, he's almost in the Kevin Gosman camp a little bit, but not to the same extent, but I do feel like most of his mistakes get punished. And Kevin Gosman doesn't like always, it's not even like mistake pitchers get punished with Kevin Gosman. He just like anything that gets hit just finds a hole with him. <laughs> like it feels like, but with Barrios, like it feels like, um, you know, you look at like Amaza yesterday and he, like, I think the first pitch to Otani was like kind of middle of the plate, like 94, 94. So he threw it really hard. He totally fooled Otani with it. But it's like, there's a, there's a world where that gets hit out. Right. Like it was, for sure. and, but with Barrios, it's like, it feels like if he threw that pitch, Grand Slam or were the bases loaded? The bases were they were, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so it's, 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 but baseball can be so funny where it's like some guys can throw the same pitch and they don't get punished for it. And I'm, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Rios because like, you know, he, he really hasn't been good enough and it's, and it's execution. He's not hitting his spots, but it does feel like almost every time he misses his spot, it gets hit out or something. Like he's, he's not like getting away with very many mistakes. I just like I look at the rotation and I it I said I've always April takes are tough because you just you don't have a lot of sample size to react to you can only react to what's in front of you and it's a limited number of at bats or innings or starts or what have you but I do think there is a world 
uh, where the Blue Jays rotation is just not good. And that is really a disconcerting fact or possibility. You know, like I don't really worry about Manoa. Is there going to be some regression from a 2.24 ERA? Probably because he's a relying on contact. I don't think he's going to balloon to like a 3.8, like a lot of the systems have. But even if he regresses to like a 3.1, that's still a really good year in a really tough division, but that's still almost a run higher than last year. Gosman, I'm not worried about, but then you look three, four, five, it's guys who, you know, right now, like two of them are complete wild cards. And Bassett is like you said, a kitchen sink guy who needs to command both sides of the plate. Otherwise he's in trouble. And I think he's not going to be bad, but I think that there is a world where the rotation is much more of an issue um, than a lot of people were hoping or thinking it would be. I think a lot of people have looked at Brios and Kikuchi as, you know, possible, real, not uh, encouraging, just, you know, potential blow up candidates. And, you know, like maybe Tiedemann comes in or Zulueta comes in or somebody, you know, else comes in, Bowden Francis, who knows, a trade, whatever. But I don't know. Like, I, it's only two turns through the rotation, but I am more concerned about it than I thought I would be. Yeah, I mean, I would say that I could also see the rotation kind of shaping up and mean like basically what they were last year. For sure, definitely 100%. Which is like not the best, but also like totally respectable. Yeah, I could see like Manoa and Gosman flipping and like Gosman having the better year. And then Manoa like maybe getting unlucky a few more times, maybe a few more balls leave the yard or whatever. Um, And then I could see Chris Bassett very easily like filling the Ross Stripling role. Um, like Ross Stripling's numbers were really good last year. Like maybe the numbers aren't quite as good, but he's kind of the same guy. I mean, like that was Ross Stripling was again, a guy that like threw a lot of pitches, had to hit his spots. Like, um, so like I could see it kind of being almost the same. And then you get a mixed bag from Kikuchi and Brios basically all season. If Kikuchi's slightly better than he was last year, like maybe you, you take that and for sure. And then you live and die with some of these outings with Brios. I mean, I do, you know, we talked about like, is he going to be out of the rotation in six weeks? And I don't know that I'd go that. So go so far as to say that I I do think like an all-star break could be sort of a time to determine with him. If, if there really isn't like signs of improvement. I mean, I do think that like he could be a potential like, bullpen a useful guy in the bullpen i mean (laughs) he could throw a little harder yeah that's oh man that's a tough thought to have two years second year of an extension that he's got to move to the bullpen i'm not saying like forever i'm just saying like maybe you put him in the bullpen for a couple months at the end of the season and hopefully he can straighten it out there and then you try him as like i don't like yeah if we're talking to like he's like your your closer that you're paying like (laughs) but like uh like maybe a similar thing what they did with kikuchi where they yeah gave him a phantom il put him in the bullpen for a few weeks try to see if he can gain some confidence there mm-hmm. as i understand it like i think kikuchi sort of benefited a little bit from that for sure period um, yeah even though it didn't sort of look pretty all the time but it does seem like he got some good takeaways from that um and so i don't think it's impossible that you could see like a similar situation play out with brios where you know maybe they try and get him some confidence and like and then in a bullpen setting like you can 
throw the slurve a lot more um, if you're only going out there for an inning or two and you're only, you know, facing like five batters or whatever. Um, but it's not great. I mean, that would be like, that's not like, it's not like when we had that press conference a couple of years ago with uh, Ross Atkins and Barrios and they're introducing him as like their pitcher of the future. Like, they're Yeah, like, the ace, <laughs> the guy. Yeah, and like in two years time, we're talking about him as a bullpen. Also. Oh, like, that's, my God. That's not what they wanted um, <laughs> for sure. But I mean, I'm just trying to think like solutions here. Um, maybe that would be an option. Obviously, we've seen them do it with Kikuchi, so they're not afraid to do it. And, you know, I would say Schneider is kind of... Um, like he's pretty like forthright and yes. like I and I think he's pretty like he knows I mean the message that he delivered at the start of camp was like we've been a good team um we've been a talented team but we've got to get to the next level and we've got to be better and we've got to be a tough team to beat and we've got to do all these things and so if that's the message you're sending like and you're demanding that from your players then the manager and obviously the front office is involved in that too, like would have to make hard decisions too. If there's a player mm-hmm. who is, you know, not able to contribute to wins. Um, and like, again, we're talking about two starts and it's tough because Brios had a lot of good starts last year mixed in with the not so good ones. And so, you know, are we just seeing two of those not so good ones immediately? Are we going to see five good ones in a row? It's possible because that did happen last year. Like there were plenty, uh, I know some, and you know, take what you will from the stat and a lot of people have kind of pulled it sometimes out of context, but it's like 17 quality starts for both Gosman and Brios. Like they both had the same amount of quality starts. Um, so yep. it's like there was a lot of times where Brios's starts were fine and it was just the bad ones were really, really bad. Um, and so far, that's sort of how they've looked this year. So they haven't even been sort of meh. Like they've had, they've just have not been great. Um, even though there was stuff to like, I think in the Anaheim one, I think he had six strikeouts. Yep. So that's and or maybe yeah. So you know, there's stuff to like there, but it's yeah, it's it's um it's a toughie. I, I think the Blue Jays were really hoping that they weren't immediately going to be having the Brios discussion yeah like buy them some some time and right away like you're in the deep end without a life jacket and just trying to hold on to like a you know a piece of wood to stop yourself from drowning it's rough right now uh okay so I uh, Caitlin McGrath's with me by the way from The Athletic um so I don't want to just pile on here with negatives so before we get to like belts because we have to talk about that um, you know, Chapman, Vladdy, and Bo have all been just, man, locked in is an understatement to start the year. And, you know, doing it in different ways. The at-bats are just so good, so consistently good. Going the other way, working a lot of pitches, uh, just just amazing. So I guess, you know, who's most impressive uh, to you of those three? Like, which one is the most impressive and which one, you know, if that some level of that can be extrapolated over the course of the season. What's the the most encouraging thing uh, of those three guys that could really benefit the Blue Jays in terms of where they want to go? Hmm. So I would say it's like unfair maybe because like Bo and, and Vlad have been really, really good. But like the ceiling expectations on them is always so, so high that yeah. like what they're doing is like, I think what they're doing is like, 
um, better than maybe people like would have baseline expected, but like also completely in the realm of what they are both capable of. Yes. In fact, like they could probably both reach another level or like, or just sustain it. Um, Chapman, I think has just been uh, like, this is like peak Chapman. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, and I think we saw like this um, for periods last year. For and sure. again, like, it's only been like a week and a half of the season. So like, yes, yeah, it could, you know, the next week things could not go as well or whatever, but like, I just think he's looked so, um, well, it, like one of the things that I think he came into the season trying to focus on was like limiting the strikeouts and just like putting the ball in play more often. Like he was, I wouldn't say he was like a three true outcome guy completely last year, but certainly like it, felt like that sometimes where it was like you were getting a home run you were getting a strikeout you were getting a walk from him obviously like sometimes he's hitting the ball pretty hard and like it's not getting out of the park and it's going for a double or whatever but like it feels like this season he's just been a lot more just putting balls in play getting the base hits he's hit a lot of doubles he's hit a couple home runs um and he's you know getting singles as well but like it just feels like he's doing exactly what he kind of like set out to do which is just be more of like a contributor in the sense of like putting the ball in play and good things can happen. And it feels like he's doing that right now. And you've seen good things happen because um, he's hit a couple that are just like bloop singles or like, just like they fall in the exact right place. And so that's been really impressive. I didn't look necessarily at his like uh, underlying numbers. I mean, Oh, they're good. Yeah. They're hot. They're real hot. And I mean, also like, I just have to assume like, the strikeout percentage and the walk percentage is really good too, because yeah. I mean, he's just not striking out know, cause he's hitting the ball too much. Like you can't, you can't strike him out right now cause he's just making contact. Um, and so that's, I think the sort of most encouraging um, or that's, I, I would say like at the start of the season, that's the one that's like standing out to me yeah. because it's like, you don't ne- necessarily like come into the season expecting that. And you never know with guys. I mean, he's in a contract year and like you see like Aaron judge set the bar pretty high for what to do in a contract year, but sometimes it can go the other way. Like it's a lot oh, for sure. on you. Right. Um, yeah. And so uh, I would say him, but I would say also with Vlad, I do find that that Vlad's performance to me is maybe the most, um, so I, I, spoiler alert, I don't know if I should say this, but we have um, some like upcoming sort of article at the athletic where like all the beat writers like contribute. And it was like, what kind of like early season numbers are you thinking could be real? And so it's uh-huh. like, one of those like so, sort of small sample size things. And I, um, I please still read the article, but here's a preview. Um, <laughs> I, I said, Vladdy's start. And it's because okay. it's like, it is what he did in 2021. Like this isn't like, We've seen this flag before. And when we saw this flag before, he went on a tear for the entire season and mm-hmm. was like, probably should have won the MVP in a scenario where you don't have Unicorn Shoei Otani like doing incredible things. Like, so, I mean, I really like Vlad's start to the season. And I find it probably the most encouraging because it's all not to say that what Chapman and Bo aren't doing isn't real, but it's like, you kind of know where this leads with Flatty, or we do know, like if he stays on this track, this is what's cap- what is capable of. Like this is what he can do. And the thing that I found um, most, uh, you know, fascinated about Vlad start or whatever is that, like in spring, like day one in spring, he talked to us and he was like, "Last year I was chasing pitches too much. Yep. Um, I was too anxious. I was trying to do too much. This year, if they're going to walk me, I'm going to take those walks." And literally, like, what he has he done? 
since day one of the season. He's taken his walks. He is not chasing, relatively speaking, basically at all. I mean, the numbers are really drastic in terms yep. of what he was doing last April and what he's doing this April. Um, he's only struck out three times. Um, and he's playing every day. And, you know, he has just made a ton of contact. He's hitting the ball pretty hard. Um, still some ground balls, I think. Yes. But, but I mean – he is getting the ball in the air. I th- I think, and I haven't, again, looked at these numbers deeply, but like anecdotally, it feels like he's getting in the ball in the air more. I mean, he has two home runs already. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, like he's hitting it up the middle. And so those ground balls do get through a lot of the times. Um, but I just, I found that his start to me is the one that I'm looking at and being like, this is something that could like drive the blue Jays forward. Like this is a thing where it's like, if he is going the way that he can go and you're getting, you know, the other main characters and the supporting cast, like supporting him, like the blue Jays often go with Vlad. That was the case in 2021. I mean, they had some things that went against them in that season. Um, But generally speaking, their offense really goes when he goes. So I look at, you know, his early start and I don't, honestly, I don't know if he is ever going to hit 48 home runs again. Like, I don't know. He, he, he's plenty capable. He's done it. And his swing and his power, his raw power is as good as anyone's uh, in the league. I just still think that, you know, there are still a few too many ground balls and some launch angle issues that like might cap him a little bit in terms of home runs. But I think that his approach so far to start the year, not expanding the zone, not, you know, getting impatient and making bad swing decisions. Like he's capable of winning a batting title this year. Like it would not surprise me in the slightest if he hits like 325 this year, just because you know he's so locked in right now. Like there just has rarely been a bad at bat. Like he's just on everything. He's almost never guessing. You know, like he's clearly um, like the talent has always been there. It just seems like the, the just overall mentality is focused as much as it's ever been. And if you meld focus and talent at that level, then you're talking about just as complete of an offensive player, um, you know, probably as there's ever been in a blue Jays uniform. And like, I don't really, care if like if he hits 37 home runs this year and hits 328 and has a good on base percentage whatever doesn't strike out that much I don't really care uh how many home runs he hits because like the rest of the team uh is gonna hit homers and as far as Chapman goes like I could see a Marcus Simeon type of year Mm -hmm. like maybe even better to be honest like I don't know if he's gonna set the record at a position for home runs but I think that Marcus Simeon had the one year in 2019 that showed he was at least capable uh, of having really high-end offensive production. Matt Chapman has more in the bank than Simeon did when they signed him. Like Matt Chapman's never been a below-average offensive player in his career. A lot of people will say to me, "Oh, like he's like Randall Gritchick at the plate," and it's no, he's not. I know he strikes out, but he sees so many pitches. Like how often is Matt Chapman striking out, even when he's not locked in? on three pitches. Like he is a, even in his bad times, the at bats are still pretty good. And like defensively, he hasn't been like he was in 2018 and 2019 this year, but he's outside of the error in St. Louis. He's been good. 
Like yeah. I have no issues really. Uh, and it's too early to make a declaration on, you know, metrics or anything like that. We just don't have enough data. But if he has a Marcus Simeon level impact this year and leaves, yeah, you wish he would say, but that's fine. Like considering where the Jays are, like if he delivers that type of season and the rest of the guys, you know, pull their weight, then you're talking about a a special situation because like he has the ability to be one of like the 15 most valuable position players in baseball. If everything goes according to plan. No, I totally agree. And I am um, back to your point. Like, I think we could be talking at the end of the year about Vladdy and Bo fighting for the batting title. Like seriously, for sure. if they both kind of continue the way that they're going right now, and like, obviously there's going to be lulls in the season for both of them. Um, but like, Right now, like I think they're both <clears throat> near the top, and like we could, um, we could honestly be talking about this in six months, where we're saying like it's going to be one of the two of them, and it wouldn't surprise me at all, and it wouldn't surprise me if like in another year it's the same. Like they both are very capable of like, I mean, Bo to some extent, like you think he has more um, swing and miss in his game, but he also makes a ton of contact too, yeah. and he, he came up in the minors, and actually like I kind of calculated this before for something that I wrote. And it's like, if you take, if you took out like Bo's first half of his season last year, just like took out that chunk, he's a 300 hitter in, in the majors, like yeah. his, his, you know, in his um, prior seasons, he's always made a ton of contact. And so, yeah, I think it's actually going to be something to watch this year from both of them. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about them both, like chasing the batting title. Yeah, Bo just to me, it's just a continuation of what happened at the end of last season. Like, it's just the same look. The at-bats are the same, right? It's not as though it's not appreciably different where it's like, oh, you know, he's in a lot of advantageous counts and he's making pitchers make mistakes. No, he's attacking early and at-bats like he always does. It's like he's not going to be a radically different player. Yeah, there are still issues defensively. He, I think that that's a real thing like i don't know if we're bordering into yips territory but the throwing issues are are very much concerning like i'm not moving him off of shortstop now but i do think that if it doesn't normalize or change then it's a conversation that's going to be uh necessary but the good just so far outweighs that like i don't really give a shit if he makes 22 errors this year if he hits 320 25 homers like steals 20 bags scores a bunch of runs drives in a bunch of runs like i'll take it like i just i you know it's just is what it is it's just part of the whole package with him that i'm willing to overlook some of the warts that do exist in his game yeah and it's like you know other than like like no player is perfect. I was gonna say show Otani, show Otani, but like even he looks sort of ugly sometimes when he's swinging. For the sure. Bat. Like <laughs> I mean, he's he's incredible, but like still, like every player has their flaws, and so. Um, and I would also say like April can tend to be a tough time for defenders. Um, it was pretty cold some nights in um, St. Louis and Kansas City. I wasn't in Anaheim. I assume it was warm there, but like it's April's always a iffy time for infielders too. Like that's, you can get a lot of errors in, in this time where it's like, you know, start of the season, you're going for different climates and like the air can be cold and stuff like that. So I think in the past, like um, you've also seen like slow starts in April from a few infielders. Yeah. I'm like, it, it could 
you know, continue to some degree. It probably will to some degree. But like I said, it's just not something that like I'm really going to get too worked up over considering what he brings to the table uh, with the bat. Caleb McGrath uh, of The Athletics with me this week on the uh, DFA podcast. Okay, so we got to talk about belt. And it's been like brutal is is not doing it justice. It's been I, I did see he is seeing the most pitches per at bat in the league to start the year. So that's the only positive. I think it's like over five pitches per at bat. So if you want to take something, you have to. $9.3 million is not an insignificant amount of money. Like they signed him expecting he would be a key contributor. And it's been, I think he's played six games um and has 25 plate appearances he has a 60 percent strikeout rate uh uh like he basically it's just it's a surprise when he puts the ball in play and like i wasn't down on it i wasn't like oh this is a huge boost i thought it was something that could you know be decent and 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 had the potential to be really good a lot of people were thinking oh he's healthy he's going to be the player he was in 2020 2021 and maybe that was going to happen but like sometimes, again, we're talking I like it with Kiermaier. Belt's going to be 35. Sometimes the bat speed just goes to some degree. Like you lose a half step on your bat speed and it just doesn't come back. And again, it's not enough. I'm not just saying, oh, well, you need a DFA Brandon Belt after 25 plate appearances. I'm not even close to being there. But I knew signing a player coming off of A, a, num- a serious injury, and B, who's going to be in his mid-30s, it wasn't, you know, something that was guaranteed to work out. Not a lot of risk on a one-year deal, but like they signed him with the intention of him contributing in a big way, especially against right-handers. And like I would be lying if I said I wasn't really worried about what I see from him just in terms of his ability to, you know, take pitches in on the plate and drive them and catch up to fastballs. Like Zach Ranky was blowing him with 89. Like he wasn't even close. And like, I don't know, is it the spring timing? Is he just still working his way back? Maybe. I don't, I don't think we can make any big declarations until like early May at the earliest, probably end of May, mid end of May. But like, where are you on the panic concerno meter with Brandon Belt? I never panic, but um, yeah, I do. I do enough of that for both of us. (laughs) Um, But you know, like, yeah, it's not been a great start to say the least. Um, There's a lot of things probably that we don't consider like that. It's like changing to a new team. It's changed for the first time in his entire career. It's a new division for the first time in his entire career. Like, so all these things, he is coming off the knee surgery. I mean, I actually thought he looked pretty decent in spring training. I mean, you probably saw some games television. Yeah, I did too. I did too. And like, you know, sometimes spring, it's like you throw it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy like Matt Chapman didn't have a great spring. No, he didn't. Wise, yeah. and then look no, at now, really. Right? So, yeah. um, you know, you take spring with a grain of salt for the most part. Um, but yeah, like I didn't, he didn't seem like, like he was missing a beat really in spring and he's, he's definitely looked sort of out of sorts to start the season. Um, and you know, you're, you're right that like, yeah, sometimes bad speed can just go. I do have a hard time thinking that it would just drop off so completely. Um, you know, I think there's probably other stuff going on, whether it's just this adjustment period, um, you know, whether, I, you know, it's it's hard to explain and I haven't talked to him, so I don't really want to like, go so deep into like 
diagnosing what's happening yeah. other than to say like you know if this was you know if he got off to a decent start and then for six games in may he didn't hit no one noticed 100 percent, 100 percent. so a week in a week from now he has a couple decent games in toronto we could just not be talking about him anymore like mm. Um, so that's the other thing to consider. It's like, it's that first week when you're a new player, everything you do is going to stand out. And especially when, you know, the numbers on the scoreboard look as ugly as they do for him right now. Um, it just totally stands out now. Yeah. Like the at bats, um, yeah, I looked up that stat and I kind of had a feeling he'd been seeing a lot of pitches, but I didn't expect it to be number one. Um, and so that's good. Like, that's obviously a positive, uh, you you want to make him more contact or at least getting more walks. I don't think he has many walks. Um, no, his eight percent walk rate. So I, I think he's got uh, two walks yeah. in uh, twenty five plate appearances. Right. So yeah, not not a not a ton. But I mean, you know, at least he's you can say he's seeing the ball well, um, yeah. which is yep. what he partly was brought in to do, and he was also brought in to you know hit for power and do all these other yep. things which he's not doing yeah. yet. Um, so. I would say maybe I the concern ometer would be a little higher if we were seeing him strike out on three pitches every time. At least he's giving you good at bats. He's contributing in that way. He's also brought in to be, um, you know, more of an not more of an intangible guy, but like an intangible an intangible guy as well as a guy that performs on the field. And so mm-hmm. I know that he has had an impact already um on the clubhouse and so in that way you sort of know that he's not going anywhere anytime soon because the teams just don't do that to guys like him um but yeah you know it's it's not great but it didn't really come up in the first week in there maybe it was because so much other good things were happening offensively um and but and also i mean it's so early that what are what are people gonna say about it like <laughs> you know like but yeah i mean you want him to do a little more up there for sure. You want to see it starting to come around, but I have no doubt also that he's probably spent a bunch of time in the cages. He's using the high velocity. He's doing everything he can. Like the Blue Jays coaches are probably working with him. Like it's, you know, people need to know like behind the scenes, a lot of stuff is happening. Um, and they've got to exhaust a lot of different um, resources before they, ever get close to making sort of a definitive decision on someone so again like i'll just reiterate like if this was happening in may and he had gotten off to an okay start like no one's no one is talking about whatsoever yeah and that brings me back to like what i was saying before you just there's always an element of prisoner of the moment when it comes to baseball it's just as much as any sport it's a what have you done for me lately like you could hit a walk-off grand slam the night before and then toss up a golden sombrero the next night and everyone's just saying oh well nobody's remembering the walk-off slam and that's you know like that is just sort of the reality i think of maybe a bit of the era we we now find ourselves in but i looked at i think it was the second game of the year uh against flaherty they had the bases loaded in the first inning and he was up with two outs and it was basically an at bat that was just a microcosm of his season i think he he worked a full count. It was at least a seven pitch at bat. And then Flaherty, you know, was not good. Walked seven guys that game. And then you know, left a pitch in the zone. And Belt just was not on time. Like he just was, he was late and he struck out. And it was early enough that, oh, well. And then, you know, he doesn't have a hit since opening day here as we sit on on a Monday, like 10 days later. 
at least it was a double. And he's still on some foul balls. Like he's hit, he's barreled up a couple of foul balls, but he's been way early on them. Just another indication that his timing hasn't been there. You know, a lot of people tweet at me saying, oh, well, he didn't have that many spring games, which is true. He hasn't really ever been, certainly over the last couple of years, a big spring training appearance guy, like at least in the last three, four years. And a vet like that, I, I think, you know, seven to 10 games of at-bats is probably enough for him. So I'm not going to just say that it's a crutch that you can use and just say that's the reason. I think you have to factor in a new team after playing his entire career. He was a, a captain type figure um, with the Giants, won two World Series, played that his entire career in, in one city, in one league, in one division. And now he's adjusting to a whole new environment. That has to factor in. It's not an excuse, but you know, you you have to try and look for some reasons potentially to try and explain the struggles, other than just, well, maybe he doesn't have much left in the tank, because maybe that ends up being the case. But like I said, it's just it's too premature after twenty-five plate appearances just like, oh, Brandon Bell should go play in Japan or something. We're, we're just, we're not there. Like, we're just not there. And the Jays, like you said, they're rational enough to not make any knee-jerk reaction or reactionary decisions based on six games worth of Brandon Belt. Right. And, like, to your point, <clears throat> I would say there's also been a few at-bats where he got called in a strike three that was clearly a ball. Hundred percent, at least one or two. So he got hosed in in Anaheim on two bad calls that led, and it's like, and well, somebody couple, would be like, and there was yeah, a in Kansas City, I remember. So swing like, at that pitch, and it's like, well, then he's going to roll over it. So you know, like, I, 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 he's for sure, but like that's his game. He's going to see pitches, and you you want the benefit of the doubt on some of those calls. Yeah, um, and also I would say like. We forget it now because how incredible the season ended up being. But Simeon was awful in his first month. Brutal. <laughs> With the Blue Brutal. Jays. And that was, again, like he had played for a couple teams. So it wasn't so much a parallel scenario. But like there is an adjustment period. I don't know if I saw this on Twitter somewhere um, that maybe April has typically been a slow month for Brandon Bell. Like I think mm-hmm. over his career, he's not been a great April hitter. Um and I know Simeon for sure has been not a good April hitter. Like I think he had said that previously when he was in Toronto to us. And then last year with Texas, he had a terrible April and then ended up having a fine season. So like some guys are just like that. Like some guys yep. just like they take some time and it usually ends up working out. Um, but yeah, like again, we all, there's a bunch of people that were probably looking to cut Simeon after his first 10 games with the team too. Marcus Simeon in, in 2021 in April and March and April, 24 games. He hit 211, 658 OPS, five homers at least, uh, six stolen bases. And then in May, he had 368 with an OPS over 1,000, eight homers in 27 games. And then like he was basically consistently above 800 um, in the OPS department uh, the rest of the season. So like I, I do think that there is an element of early season you know some guys for whatever reason have struggles or they're just adjusting uh or whatever it is brandon belt in um april and march or march and april in his career second lowest ops by month 
782. July in his career, 707. He's got an 850 in May, 808 in, in June, uh, 837 in August, 881 in September and October. So yeah, he has been to some degree a relatively a slower starter um, in the month of April. So like I'm not at a point there where I'm saying like, yeah, it, it, it's over uh, for Brandon Bell. Okay, quick before we get out of here. Just a quick thought on the bullpen, which has had moments, I would say, you know, like Romano before he blew the save was excellent. And I'm not remotely worried about him. Uh, Jimmy Garcia throwing harder, which is really encouraging. Like if he has 97 in that arm, that's a big thing. And that's a, a potential game changer because his fastball was really good last year at like 94, 95. You add a mile or two a velo on it and that's gonna be really really good i've been impressed by swanson as well so you're basically got three guys i would say that you trust in a variety of uh, situations against any hitter and then it's you know it's a bit of a, a carousel of well let's just cross our fingers hope for the best here like tim Meza, unfortunately it's He's a a reliever from a past era, like if the the old loogie, you know, one out guy against a lefty, he's perfect. Righties, I just don't think is ever really going to be something that he excels at. And unfortunately, unless it's a lefty dominant part of the lineup, he's going to find himself facing righties like he did against Goldschmidt against St. Louis. Like Simber is what he is. There are going to be great moments. There are going to be moments where he gives up contact because the type that's the type of pitcher he is. Like Trevor Richards, it's not great like i just don't i don't really know how long he's on the roster so like what's your big picture early takeaways you know from from the bullpen i think it's just like everything's still needing to sort itself out like a bullpen is like how it starts is not how it finishes usually like no doubt very rarely yep. um and so it still feels like you listed the three guys that you kind of like you know pencil in seventh eighth and ninth at this point and i sort of feel like that will remain consistent um you know assuming that yep. nothing unexpected happens there and it feels like the rest is still sorting itself out i think simbers is still a pretty reliable sort of like guy that you can throw in in a lot of different scenarios he's really useful for a bullpen because you know the way he pitches like he can pitch every day if you I mean you pretty much yeah <laughs> he led the league in uh appearances last year yeah um you know, he's so he's I think he's a really useful piece for a bullpen. Mm -hmm. um, maybe, uh, you know, sometimes he's going to come in and he's going to get hit around a little bit just because of the way he pitches. But or they, like, you know, the style of pitching. But, yeah, it just feels like they're still kind of like sorting themselves out a little bit. Like we don't really like know who the guys are going to be like. And that's the thing with like bullpens. Like usually there's like a guy that comes out that you don't expect. Like a few years ago, it was Tim Meza. Yeah um last year i don't know like the, the like i mean did the blue jays really have anyone like last year that totally emerged that were like where did this guy come from like i don't totally not think really so. i would say like simber was already good right like he had his yeah. moments in Romano, in, in 2021 like, really like established himself as a elite closer but like we kind of knew that was yeah. coming anyway and I would say, like, last year, unless I'm sort of, like, totally blanking on someone that I can't remember, um, like, it felt like no one kind of, like, came out of any, like, no one kind of came out of nowhere sort of and just, like, inserted themselves and, like, you know, demanded that they have a job, basically, because of their performance. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I think the Jays, like, need that this year. I think they need, like, someone, whether it's, like, 
on the roster right now or not. They need someone to just like blow them away and like seize a job. Um, because sometimes like that's, I mean, if everyone in the bullpen is just amazing, like that works too. Um, but I don't know, like whether it's like Pearson, whether it's like Zach Pop, um, yeah. whether it's like Zulueta coming up, um, you know, a few other young guys um, down in AAA that could be arms. Like it feels like they kind of need some one um, because I think they've got like, they've got the three guys at the back. I think they've got like, uh, Simber, who's super useful, mid- middle innings. I think that um, Meza, you know, you can slot him into opportunities where he can take advantage of those opportunities, I think. And obviously you need a lefty in there. Um, you know, I think Anthony Bass has gotten off to a slow start. Um, and, you know, I do expect some more strikeout stuff from him to come. And presumably if it does come, like, yeah, he's a good guy that you can slot in there too, maybe in the Simber type role where you can kind of use him anywhere because um, he's done a lot in the bullpen. But yeah, like whether it is like a Pearson or just someone like coming up and like blowing guys away and like really like being sort of like the X factor of the bullpen, I sort of feel like they were missing that last year. And I think they need that this year. Like I think they kind of need someone um, that just like kind of totally exceeds their like expectations or yeah. their projections or something is just like a total surprise. And you're like, all right, this is like, this is the guy. Cause I think like if everyone sort of performs to expectations in their bullpen, it's probably like good enough. It's an average bullpen. It's going to get the job done more often than not. They're going to have games where things go haywire. Um, but like if everyone just set their expectations, that's one thing. But if you have someone that kind of, blows those all away i think that is like that's what i'm waiting for with this blue jays team yeah i i I agree that it just feels like they're still one impact arm short Mm -hmm. like there are guys who can do it in spurts and like i think that you know having romano uh, Garcia and Swanson in the playoffs. If that's a situation, you know, you find yourself in, that's a good starting point. And I, like I said, I've said this you know, since the start of the season, even before. I think that for the most part, this bullpen is probably good enough for the regular season. It's not going to be one of the best. I think it can be about average, slightly above average, which is fine. You know, if you're a team that prides yourself. Uh, on scoring lots of runs, you can probably get by with like the 14th best bullpen um, in the league. You'd like, you just want more, more upside. You want more options who can come in and force their way into the conversation as somebody who can make a real difference. And I do, like you said, they have some intriguing arms that seem to be bubbling up at AAA, like Nate Pearson. There's still some inconsistency there. Like we've seen it already early in the season. Sometimes he looks great. Other times, like he can't hit the broadside of a barn, you know, with a fastball. And it's just like, he's not consistent. And until that's the case at AAA, throwing him into any situation in the big leagues is probably, you know, not something that you feel great about, but sooner or later, I think you're probably just going to see what he has. Like, I don't know how long you're married to Trevor Richards because he's out of options. Like if Two of his three outs uh, uh, outings this year, he has hasn't gotten the job done and had to be removed. Like he wasn't terrible against the Angels, but you know you walk a couple of guys, you give up a hit. I know his changeup's great. 
but his fastball is just not. And again, like you, if your fastball is bad, it's just going to be hard to really always fool hitters with that changeup. So I just wonder, you know, how long you ride it out with Trevor Richards as a de facto mop up guy or break in in case of emergency guy um, because he doesn't have any options like that. Just to me, it doesn't jive with where this team has said it is in their competitive window. Like you're just going to hang on to Trevor Richards because he's out of options. Like if Trevor Richards burns you, like he goes back to the Rays or something, like you tipped your cap to him. But like, I, I don't think you should be saying we have to keep Trevor Richards because, you know, A's out of options and we're afraid that, you know, his change up somewhere else will be a real weapon. Like, I think we've seen enough over the last season and change that uh, really leads to the fact that he's just probably not quite good enough to consistently get the job done. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that you're right that this team, there is going to be more urgency, I think, this year than maybe we've seen in the past. Although I think there was urgency last year, but like this year it feels heightened. I, I think some of that is just the vibe of Schneider. He's a little bit more like, um, you're kind of vocal about when things don't go well or when like, you know, the team doesn't do something that he was looking for them to do. He's like, he doesn't like call him out in a bad way, but he's just sort of more like, like I said before, there's more like forthright with like his assessments, I guess. Um, and so it does feel like that urgency is there. Like, again, they're not looking to just sort of like coast on their talent this year and like see where that takes them. Like they're looking to be a winning ball club that, contends for a world series like that's the goal it's not, you know it's not just getting to the postseason again and then getting swept in two games um so yeah like we'll see i mean it does feel like they're trying to do something different with trevor richards this year where like he's throwing the change up a lot more um because i think he threw like a bunch in a row against the yeah. angels um and like you can see how that's like um that would work and like that's the good strategy with him because it is a really really good pitch um and so yeah it's interesting to see like you know i i would probably bet that the first bullpen shakeup will probably even though he's pitched well zach pop will probably be the one to go because it just it's he's the yeah. options guy like it just happens yeah yeah um it, you know and, and i i don't think it'll be that way all year like if if pop really is performing um then they'll keep him in the bullpen but usually like the guy with the options is it happens. It happens. Yeah, no, no, no. I I fully expect it. I don't agree with it because like you're not a rebuilding team anymore. Like you're trying to put your best possible roster every day. And if Zach Pop is better than Trevor Richards, then why is Trevor Richards staying on the roster instead of Zach Pop? And like it's uh, you know they're big on asset management. I know every front office, every club is. Again, I, I just I struggle to see that as bad asset management. Right. Like, do you have? Are they saying to themselves, "Well, we have to ride it out with Trevor Richards because Rowdy's been really good in Milwaukee"? I don't think so. Any front, no front office is that stupid. I don't think. Mm -hmm. But like, I, I do think you're right that they're playing the options game, and your fans aren't going to like it. And it's just the reality. Like you said, early in the season, like if this is August and yeah, they're August neck is a and neck story. Yeah. Like, but if it's the first time you're shuffling up the bullpen, because you got to get a fresh arm in there. And yeah. It's not really like totally performance related. You just like need another arm. Like it's probably pop going down. Like you're not going to DFA someone. Yeah. If you can pull another trigger first. 
Um, yeah. But if yeah. it's, yeah, if it's July or August, um, that's a different story. And if like, yeah, they're making trades um, to improve the bullpen at the trade deadline and they've got to open up some spots, like that's a different story too. Um, but yeah, I would say like poor Zach Pop. Yeah, poor poor Zach Bob. You're from like I would say by the end of April, I would be surprised if that hasn't happened. Like you never know injuries, but like if they just are in a bind and need an arm, which is likely. Like considering Barrios and Kakushi are liable to max out your bullpen. Plus they're they're pitching on back to back days. Yeah, it's just like that's also not maybe the best alignment in the world. Is just like you could just completely gas out your bullpen. So I think that, you know, like that's a realistic possibility and you're right that it's probably going to be Zach Pop. I wonder like but quickly, cause we're going way long here. Um, like who, who is the first reliever up? I don't think it's, I don't think it's Pearson. Like, is it Jay Jackson? Like Paul Fry, maybe I probably I, is going to be someone that's seen major league time before. Yeah. <sighs> Is it like a Zach Thompson type? Or are they going to like keep him for like um, need emergency start or duty? Um, I would guess it's Jay Jackson. Is he on the 40? Did they add him? Yeah, they added him to the 40. I think they did. Yeah. He's just yeah. Like, obviously not on the 26 man. But like, um, yeah, it probably would be him, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I would be inclined to agree. Like, I guess it depends on the matchups. Like maybe if you need a lefty type, like maybe it's, it's fry, but I guess he's not on the 40 Mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, he, uh, Jackson is probably makes him the guy. Like it's just logical to have, not have to make another roster move to add a, uh, just an arm for a couple of days. I think Jackson. Okay. All right. Long. It was too long. I said we would do like 45 minutes and we're well over an hour. It's tough, right? Like, especially first little bit of the season, there's just so much to talk about. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, so you're, we're going to do this like every once, every so often, yeah. check in, check in type situation. Yeah, exactly. I don't have a, a regular microphone to speak in front of anymore this year. So I'll take, take you, take it when you'll have me. Well, it's any time, but I'm not going to just burden you with this uh, too often. Thank you so much. Uh, That's Caitlin McGrath from The Athletic. I'm Josh Goldberg. Designated for assignment, we'll be back next week uh, recapping the first homestand at the newly renovated Rogers Center. If you're going, enjoy it. It should be a a very good experience, and uh, we will talk to you soon.